Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano, joined, as always, by the Josh to my Roy. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how are you doing? Uh, doing very good. Feeling uh, very ready for new experiences. Yeah, and our very own Jerry. That's right. It's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, how are you doing today? Jerry. Doing great, fellas. Good to be back. Uh, so... If someone figures out what that's from before we get to the movie club, I'm going to be like, I'm going to be like, that guy, that guy gets it. That guy is, uh, that person is, is very understanding. Uh, They're picking up what I'm putting down. That man loves to dispel workout myths. uh, There's an, there's an obvious, uh, there's an obvious thing we have to start with. And it's uh, the Jamal Adams trade. So Eric, you're emotional uh, core. You're the heart of the podcast, the, the strong beating heart of the podcast. What do you... What did you think of uh, when when the, it came up? Jamal, we get Jamal Adams. What's the what's the emotional reaction for you? Uh, I was impressed emotionally. I was just it made me smile because let's face it, we haven't had a we haven't had a good free agent off season. We expected Jadavian Clowney to resign. Uh, if that wasn't going to happen, we expected a big splash. The time for big splashes is more or less long past unlike the dogs barking outside the window right now i apologize for anyone who can hear that <laughs> thanks who let, who let the dogs out uh, well, it was eric yeah well, it's good to finally know who answered that question that's inside joke for the podcast um <laughs> <laughs> so song, not better than the matrix <laughs> so anyway jamal adams i was i'm pleasantly surprised i didn't think we'd get him honestly a month ago we talked about it on the podcast and you guys were going pretty inside baseball with it and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah we're not going to get him. Sounds great. Whatever. I don't care. Like, I totally dismissed it. So to get him, uh, listening to you guys talk about him so much. And, you know, I watch Jets football about three games a year because I sometimes hate myself. And I know who Jamal Adams is. I know what he's capable of. This is a huge move. And although it cost us Brad, rest in peace, Brad. And it's probably going to cost us Jadavian Clowney, even though some would argue, Jadavian, come on back, buddy. This is the time. Uh, this is this is still a move we desperately needed, and I'm. The more I think about it, the more ecstatic I become. Yeah. Okay. So, the the um, it's the, everyone has a strong reaction to a series like this, right? Um, those those draft picks could be anything. They could even be Jamal Adams. I'm going to argue that they couldn't be Jamal Adams. So Jamal Adams was pick number six overall. It's like the highest drafted safety in a number of years. Uh, he's the kind of premier talent that you, that the Seahawks just never have the opportunity to draft at the end of the first round. But to kind of prove my point, I went in and I did the um, I looked at the trade values. You know, so the Seahawks average draft position is 24 and a half over the last few years. That would be the so let's assume the picks are the pick twenty four and pick twenty five, right? And I think that that's a conservative estimate, um, considering uh, you know we have a, the best or second best quarterback in the league in the in the absolute prime of his career. That those picks add up to the eighth overall pick. Now, eighth overall pick this year is Isaiah Simmons. Would I rather have Isaiah Simmons at cost controlled than uh, Jamal Adams? That's a great question. I'm not sure how to answer that. Uh, probably actually, but. The fact of the matter is, is that the Seahawks had a talent deficit on defense. We beg and plead, pleaded for them all offseason to make a move to maximize Russell Wilson's prime, and we can't just dump on them for actually doing it. Uh, John Schneider did an interview with Peter King today, and he said that it, in that interview, I was a podcast actually, but in that podcast, he said that one, they don't value those late first round picks super highly. Um, and they figured that they're going to get two more of them. They're banking on those being late picks. If those picks are a in front of number 20, if we bottom out or Russell Wilson gets hurt or something, then this is a terrible trade. It's like a 
really, really, really bad trade. If we don't bottom out, if it turns out that, you know, hey, we get, we end up, uh, they're picked 28 and 30, it's a really good trade value wise. But a lot depends on the Seahawks being good for the next two years. And with Russell Wilson leading the offense and Jamal Adams leading the defense, the Seahawks have a good opportunity to be very, very good. So, um, I, I, I like the trade. I'm fine with it. If I had to grade the trade, I would give this. I said, I said this in a, in a Slack the other day, uh, I would give the Seahawks a C it's not like a, a perfect trade. You know, there's, they gave up a lot of value. There's a lot of value in what they gave up, but I mean, it's not like horrible. They got Jamal Adams, uh, one of the 20 best players in the NFL, uh, NFL rank put him, uh, the NFL 100. I think he was 24th, you know? So now our defense is being led by the 27th. So the 27th and the number 13th best player in the NFL. Yeah, that's pretty good. I'm, I'm down with that. That's going to be pretty fun to watch. So yeah, I have a lot more stuff, but I don't want to take everything Kevin's going to say. So Kevin, go ahead. So to kind of correspond to what you were saying, I went ahead and did a comparison because we're talking about one of the top defensive talents being traded in the league. That's happened twice in the last two years. So I compared it to the Jalen Ramsey trade and the Khalil Mack trade. So Jalen Ramsey, uh, in exchange for Jalen Ramsey, the Jaguars got uh, the 2020 round one, a 2021 round one, and a 2021 round four. So that was round one pick 20. I went ahead and assumed uh, for the purpose of calculating that it would be the same pick because I figured it would be the same pick or better probably from the Rams this year, most likely. And then an equivalent round four pick based on that. So it ends up being 1,748 points of draft value based on the draft value trade chart that Bill Belichick and other people uh, talk about using. Uh, Jalen Ramsey was uh, worth 1,700 points based on his draft position. So you're talking about points-wise, a pretty even exchange there. What about, okay, I have a question for you. Would you rather have Jalen Ramsey or Jamal Adams? In the Seahawks defense, uh, Jamal Adams. In the Seahawks defense specifically. I mean, Jalen Ramsey came in at 37 in the NFL rank. They're obviously both very good football players. A lot of people would say cornerbacks are just that much more valuable than safeties. What is that? Do you, do you think that that applies to someone like Jamal Adams, Kevin? I don't because I think Jamal Adams provides value as a slot corner. Um, but his versatility within a defense is something that Pete Carroll is capable of maximizing. When you look at the way when we had an otherworldly talent in um, both Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor, and the way that we deployed our safety that changed the way that the cover one, cover three look was used in the NFL. You can't tell me that he wouldn't be able to do something similar with Jamal Adams, where I, I know people like to talk about Pete being old and stuck in his ways, but this is just something where we have a, a body of evidence that says it's not the case with this position group. And if I may, if I may chime in as well, the versatility of Jamal Adams is... You can't understate that, especially how Pete Carroll values his safeties. You can argue Pete Carroll has done more for safeties in the NFL than... Ha, let me back that up. <laughs> he's done so much for safeties in the NFL, it's comparable to for what he's done to the Seahawks. So last year, PFF showed where he lined up. 240 snaps at free safety, 84 snaps at strong safety, 324 at linebacker, 124 at edge, 122 in the slot, and 31 at outside corner. Jamal Adams lines up all over the field. And the thing that's awesome about this is he doesn't suck at any of those things. He performs above curve at all of them. Um, So that's what I I really like about... um, 
And to back up your point on that, he was the number five and number two pass rushing safety the last two seasons and the number three and number seven coverage safety the last two seasons. So exactly what you said, not only is he getting used all over the field, but then he's also good at all of those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a it's a great fit. And the, the Seahawks, like well, uh, when they were at their absolute peak, love to play like a cover three with a buzz or a robber in the in the cover three buzz with a robber in the middle of the field. They like to have a guy like Jamal Adams or, uh, you know, Cam Chancellor was the guy before, uh, to sit in the in the lower part of their zone and, and just disrupt the play. And that's what Jamal Adams has the ability to do. He has the ability to read what the what the players are going to do and react to it. Um, NFL Films has been doing a great series where they have players come in and break down their own tape. And Jamal Adams' episode, I think, really exemplifies this, how he has a pretty firm understanding of what the offense is going to try to do. He's able to call it out, and then he's able to put himself in a position to make a big play over and over again. So, yeah. I'm really excited about it. And then we're talking about getting an impact player. We knew what the price for an impact player is, and it's usually a couple first-round picks. So comparing Jamal Adams over the last two seasons, uh, Pro Football Reference has a uh, value statistic. Um, His combined value over the last two seasons is 22 points. To put that in comparison, uh, players who maybe the Seahawks have been clamoring for in recent years, Seahawks fans, or maybe players that stand out, Demarcus Lawrence was worth 20 over the last two years. Chandler Jones, 20. Harrison Smith, 20. Chris Jones, 19. Jalen Ramsey, 18. Richard Sherman, 17. Yannick Ngakwe, 16. Jamal Adams, 22. Like, he's bringing a lot of value. He had one pressure for every four pass rush snaps last season, and Ngakwe had one pressure for every 9.58. Oh, yeah. And a lot of people say he's overrated because – because the pressure stats are going to be hard to sustain. But I would argue that he's so good at reading the play that it it might not be, you know, this might be just something, a skill that a tool that he has in his particular toolbox. We've seen it with Bobby where Bobby, when he blitzes is so, so effective. He doesn't blitz a lot. He doesn't blitz every play. Jamal Adams ain't going to blitz every play, but when he does blitz, he's going to be very, very, very effective. Yeah. He probably will have fewer overall. He'll no, not probably. He will definitely have fewer overall pressures and sacks. But his efficiency numbers, like you were just saying, are unlikely to change. It's something he's proven at this point that he can do. So he'll probably get, you know, somewhere between two and a half and five sacks, but get them on very specific and timely pass rushing snaps. Yeah, um, I'm pretty I'm pretty pumped about uh, the whole deal. I think that uh, we you know, it sucks. Two first rounders is a big price. There's a lot of uncertainty in next year's draft, though, and I think bailing out of it a little bit is not totally an unreasonable move. There will be tons of players who would have come out in 2021 if it was a normal year who just won't come out because they they either didn't play and they have an extra year of eligibility or they just uh, don't feel like they, they showed their best tape and they get another year to prove themselves. 2022 is the stack draft, and we will lose our first round pick there, and that does hurt a little bit. But I think it, it's... um. It's 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 not as bad as people are making it out to me. I think people are love to dunk on us and like be like, "Well, it's terrible value." You know, they gave up way too much. Like I said, unless the Seahawks bottom out and Russell Wilson gets hurt, then it's it's a fine trade. Um, I'm more concerned about the overall picks we're going to lose because my friend who you know texted me when it happened, he said, "So what do you think about this trade?" And I was like, "Yeah, it's it's very exciting." Blah blah blah, and he said, uh, "What do you think about giving up?" two picks and i said it's more like we gave up a second two thirds two fourths and you know a couple fifths 
a six and probably a seventh. Because let's face it, we would have taken those two picks and backed them way out and turned them into other picks, rolled it into other drafts. And that's where it's not going to affect us. It's going to affect us positively next year where we may not have been able to trade back and just kind of had to take that pick. But that second year, that's that's where you know Pete Carroll and John Schneider are going to try and pick up those guys. They may still have the aptitude to do that, but it's going to be a, a little more difficult to amass the picks that they may want. Mm-hmm. All right. Do you guys have uh, any more Jamal Adams stuff before we uh, head into our the what I would say is the real most important topic? Uh, I could gush about him for a long time, but I think we can gush about him for the next few weeks. Yeah. Okay. All right. So here's the real number one story. One hour ago, breaking news, guys, Tedrick Thompson has found a new home. Tedrick Thompson is now a Kansas city chief. Oh, wow. They definitely could use some warm bodies on their roster. So they got one. (laughs) I just thought it was so stupid. Um, It's just weird. It's just weird. Tedrick Thompson found his home, man. We're ready. Uh, Okay. Want to hear another weird story? So um, Geno Smith and Russell Wilson are not allowed to be in the same room uh, at the Seahawks facility because they want to make sure that one of them doesn't have COVID at all times. (laughs) I read this. This, uh, It's like um, someone on Twitter said it was like designated survivor. And I just can't. That's exactly correct. Geno Smith is designated survivor. He has to not get COVID just in case. You saw they were doing that. A lot of other teams are doing like their QBs one and three uh, are together, and then their two and four are together, and they never have QB meetings at the same time. Yeah, it's just it's going to be a weird year. That I think that they there's a lot to be learned. The thing that the NFL, the advantage the NFL has is they can look at the NBA bubble, the NHL bubble, the Major League Baseball disaster, and they can say like, how do we learn from all of these to make it the best the best experience possible? Because at the end of the day, there's a ton of money on the line, so they want to have games. And the answer is just never trust Florida not to screw everything up. Yeah, people are. Gonna <laughs> screw we already up. knew that. People are going to screw it up, man. It's going to. People going to people. It's going to be a mess, but uh, hopefully, hopefully, it all works out. Uh, also, uh, breaking this week, Will Disley is a candidate to be on the pup list at the uh, beginning of the year. I am praying that that is, that is not the case. That is not the case. Um, so, are you shocked though? No. Yeah, I'm. I'm. You know, I'm always going to bring that realism, and it's unfortunate, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. But that's uh, does he need to return after week six, right? Mm. I can never remember exactly how that works. Let's say that yeah, week if we get him maybe? for the rest of the season, then I'm okay with it because that would still be the most games he's ever played for us. Yeah, and I guess it's true, and we do have a ton of tight ends on our roster, but I just think he's the be- the best tight end on our roster. I think he's um, very complete. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Um, we'll have further breakdown of uh, the way that Adams and Diggs are going to fit together in the back of our defense, talk a little X's and O's, but I don't want to go too deep into it because we still have a few division previews left and those take a long time. <laughs> so, yep. And we need, we need things to talk about when we run out of those. So let's do it. Let's see our uh, last division TV before the uh, we get to the West. This is the NFC South. All right. And I'll be honest with you guys. I traded. I, I've been changing my NFL playoff predictor as a, uh, as guys opt out with this COVID thing. I'm like, oh man, I don't know if they're as good anymore. I'm gonna take a win away from this team and move a win over here. I'm tinkering because I think it does matter. It's there's a the margins are thin this year, and every guy matters. 
Uh, Falcons last year went seven and nine. They added Deion Buchanan, Dante Fowler, Todd Gurley, and Hayden Hurst. They lost Austin Hooper, Desmond Trufant, Devontae Freeman, and Vic Beasley. Drafted AJ Terrell, Marlon Davidson, and Matt Hennessy. Seahawks Connection is the home of Seahawks legend James Carpenter. Kevin, what do you think about the Falcons? So I'm going to get right down to the point, and that is the Falcons secondary scares the crap out of me. Okay, that's exactly uh, what I was going to say. <laughs> there is just a like a dearth of talent. Uh, when I made when we made that comment uh, before the podcast, Eric was like, "Yeah," and the one cornerback whose name I knew isn't even on the roster anymore. Yeah, it's like, yeah, Desmond Trufant wasn't even good. You just knew who he was. They're I mean, gonna be he was completely reliant on a rookie or like a second year guy to make, take a huge step forward. That we have no evidence that they will. The thing about Marcus Trufant was is he was solid. He wasn't great. Like his rookie year, he was great. And then he was solid for the rest of his career. Not good, not great, just kind of an average corner. Now they don't even they have a they have a rookie and a guy who's never performed. It's yep. like terrifying their cornerback situation. And then the guys behind those guys are uh, not anyone you've ever heard of. They they would be a prime candidate to like go get Logan Ryan and solidify their their cornerbacking core. Or you know what I mean? Yes. They need to they need to make a move like that if they're going to be serious about contending, especially in this division. I do have great appreciation for something. They signed Dante Fowler, who's the person, uh, him and Vic Beasley, I was confused for each other, and now they both played for Atlanta, so I can just pretend they're the same person. Yeah, Dante Fowler's way better than Vic Beasley, though. Yeah, I know, but in my head, they're the same person. I don't know how that happened. Um, so their offense is good. Like, they're going to score a lot of points, but they need to because they're going to have to win every game, like, 45-38. Yeah, Dante Fowler and Tack McKinley are going to have to get a lot of sacks to make oh, up yeah, for Tack that. McKinley, proven quantity. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he needs to make the leap, for sure. Uh, I... I love this offense. I think this offense will be extremely good. Hayden Hurst is a nice replacement for Austin Hooper. I think he was very underrated in Baltimore because they had three very good tight ends. And he kind of fell between the other two tight ends. They had a blocking tight end. They had a, a catching tight end. And then they had Hayden Hurst who can do both, but they didn't really need him. Uh, when they run 11 personnel this year with Hayden Hurst, he, he is a, he's a weapon. He'll be good. I love their running backs. I think Brian Hill is a really underrated running back uh, as a backup for Todd Gurley, who probably can't take a full load. And Julio Jones is the best wide receiver in the league. There's nothing bad to say about this offense. This offense is going to move the ball. Um, but how much better than 7-9 can they be with this defense? And I think the answer is not a not a whole lot. Eric, do you agree? Yeah, I. We're again, we're pretty uh, in, in most agreement with this. The the Falcons are they back themselves into a corner with their salary cap issues and they are going to score a lot. There's going to be times where, you know, they're going to say, Oh, the dirty birds are back. They just hung 50. Yeah. And, and they're going to beat bad teams and they're going to get beat by good teams. And they're, and they're going to beat good teams too. Well, like they beat the 49ers at the end of last year. They're, they're, they're going to be all over the place because this offense is so explosive. Yeah. And they are, they are the most Houston Texans team that is not the Houston Texans. <laughs> Meaning that if they make their way into the playoffs, they are getting ousted in the first round. They are going to realize that they are the oh. honorable mention and I, that they thought, are taken out. I thought you meant if this is an this team was in the AFC, they'd probably inexplicably win their division by a tiny bit. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant they were going to trade Julio Jones for a washed up running back. Yes. Okay. But somehow not to us. <laughs> no, they just got a washed up running back and said, "Okay, halfway there." I, I have the Falcons at eight, at eight and eight. I think they're 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 good enough to get to eight and eight, but uh, I don't see a lot of upside here. The defense is just too big of a question mark. I have them repeating yeah. a seven and nine record, um, but I have further commentary on that that I will make later in this. Right, I, I like eight and eight, seven and nine is my low. So again, we're, we're all in agreement. Because yeah, we're smart. I don't think there's a big range of outcomes for them. Either. There's not, I think, no, I think it's just like 
seven, eight, or nine wins. Yep. <laughs> Put it in the bank. Okay. The Carolina Panthers. Okay. So um, the Carolina Panthers are – they went 5-11 and 11 last year. They added Robbie Anderson, Eli Apple, and Teddy Bridgewater and Farrow Cooper. They lost Cam Newton, James Bradbury, Gerald McCoy, and Darrell Williams. They drafted Derek Brown, Jeremy Chin, and Yitor Gross Matos. The Seahawks connection. Derek Thomas, the undrafted free agent cornerback that the Seahawks had last year from May to June, July, has reunited with his college coach from Baylor. Uh, Eric, start us off. What do you think about the Panthers? Panthers are a really funny team because they are they're trying to win while still rebuild, which is it can be done, but it's never something that you want to see your team do. Look at the the Sonics before they left. This was a team that would refuse to rebuild until they had to. And then they moved the team and be, you know, had the, like the best player in the NBA, but I digress. Uh, I guess the funny thing that I will say about the Panthers is they finally have a kind of number one receiver in Robbie Anderson. Uh, they always had like these, Oh, re- the DJ Moore shade is real. The DJ Moore shade is definitely real. Kevin, this is going back. And the Curtis, Sam- Curtis Samuel is really good too. Uh, I feel Curtis like Robbie Samuel. Anderson is their number three wide receiver. I think Robbie Anderson is a number three receiver. That's my point. You have Teddy Bridgewater throwing the ball to these guys. I think that that's going to be fine. Uh, more or less, this is still the number one target, the number one everything. They should change their name to the Carolina McCaffreys because it's going to be Christian McCaffrey show all year long, as we know. Uh, they did improve their offensive line a little bit with XC Hawk Russell Okung. Uh, they did lose uh, Luke Keekley. That's huge. That's a... Uh, that is a very big uh, loss for this team. Everyone had Luke Keekley and Bobby Wagner is, you know, who's better? This is always a, a point of contention for myself because I always thought that, you know, I'm a Bobby Wagner guy. I'm a hometown guy. Now we don't have to worry about that, but the Carolina Panthers do. Um, I'll save my picks for your guys' take on this team. So this uh, this team's offense, is, I think, looks pretty decent on paper. And if this team had an elite defense, I would be super into them as like a like a sleeper. The problem is that they don't. They wisely spent every single one of their draft picks this year on defense. This defense will come around. They invest. They've invested a lot, and I have a feeling they're going to invest again next year in defense, unless they end up with the number one overall pick, which they'll probably use on a quarterback. So this team is on the right path. I just think they're a year away. Um, it's kind of like uh, Cincinnati last year where Cincinnati really bottomed out with a new coach that was learning the, learning how to be an NFL coach. This is a new NFL coach with a 30 year old offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator. Who's ne- been a DC he's been around, but he's never been a DC at this level. And so I think that this is a kind of a, a learning curve for this coaching staff and it will be a, a good learning curve for them, but I think they're going to suck <laughs> because the, the offense is going to be, it, the offense will struggle because they, you know, installing this Joe Brady system with a, with no off season is going to be brutal with a bunch of guys who have never really done it. And then they have uh, the defense, which is just a bunch of young guys and uh, guys who aren't that good. And Trey Boston, who I, who I really like, but I just don't think Trey Boston is, can carry a defense like that. So yeah, I'm not a big Panthers fan this year, Kevin. Uh, similar situation to what you guys are saying. I think the wide receiver talent is pretty solid. I'm not a believer in their offensive line, especially their interior offensive line. They shipped out Trey Turner. They have John Miller, Matt Paredes, and Dennis Daly. And you might ask yourself who those people are, and I'll tell you, don't worry about it, because they're not good. Uh, so they have Okung and Moten are decent tackles, but that's about it. Uh, they have Christian McCaffrey, who they'll lean on as much as possible. But I think they're going to struggle to score more than a few times a game. And their defense isn't going to help them out with field position at all. 
they've got uh like their their defensive line is interesting. Uh Kawan Short is a proven good player. Brian Burns is a pure pass rusher, which is interesting. Uh Steven Weatherly, I don't know really what you can rely on out of him and Derek Brown's a rookie, but I think he'll be good. But then I don't like their linebackers and their defensive backs. It's not good. It's a very similar situation to Atlanta. Dante Jackson and Eli Apple, if you're going to rely on them, better safe, better safeties, at least better safety. Um, Trey Boston, Jeremy Chin. You have no idea what he is. um, I think he could be pretty good. And I think Matt Paradis is good too. I I think Matt Paradis is going to come back off that injury and be pretty solid. He was, you know, it took that recovery on time on that injury is pretty long. And he came back for the first game of the season. I think that was a mistake and it showed in his play, especially in the past game. Um, But I think he'll bounce back a little bit, but either way you're, you're, uh, you're on the right track here. The, the, Panthers aren't going to be that good. Yeah, it's rough losing Dontari <laughs> Poe, Luke Keekley, Mario Addison, Bruce Irvin, Vernon Butler, and James Bradbury all off your defense in one offseason. Every every defensive guy they lost was like pretty decent too. I'm like, these guys are all good rotation players or better. Yeah. None of these guys suck. And it and they lost all like Bradbury is not good, but he's fine. Like he's a passable NFL cornerback, and they replaced him with Eli Apple, who I don't like. So yeah. So I have them at four and twelve. I think they're worse than last oh, year. Wow. Roster talent. I have them at three and 13. I actually think the roster talent is not the problem. It's the, the install of the new coaching staff is going to take time. And that's, and also their division is brutal. This is a yeah. good division. This is a really good division and playing six games in this division is probably going to lead to at least five losses right there. So uh, Eric, what do you got? I got them uh, optimistic five and 11. All right. Matching last year, the saints last year went 13 and three. They added Malcolm Jenkins, Manuel Sanders, Ty Montgomery, DJ Swearinger, and the legend himself, Jameis Winston. They dropped Teddy Bridgewater, Von Bell, Eli Apple, and Ted Ginn Jr., drafting Cesar Ruiz, Zach Bond, Adam Troutman. Uh, Seahawks connection. Uh, the Seahawks have Lyndon Stevens as a cornerback. He was an undrafted free agent to begin his career with the Saints. All right. Uh, it's Eric first. Nope. Kevin's turn. Mm, no, but okay. Go ahead, Kevin. I went Car- I did Carolina. I went Car- first with Carolina. Okay. You're right. Maybe you're right. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. I'll go if you want. I don't care. No, they got Calvin Throckmorton, podcast legend. So so Cesar Ruiz came in, uh, and he's going to end up playing guard, which I think he's capable of. But it's interesting to me that they lost Warford and kept Andres Beat, who's not been playing that well. Um, Emmanuel Sanders, though, is a big get for them. That gives them a legitimate second target after Michael Thomas. I know that you like Ted Ginn, but Ted Ginn does two things. Ted Ginn's Drop worse. long passes and catch long passes. I love Ted Ginn. He's great. Like he's one of the most, I think he's one of the most like undervalued people ever, but Emmanuel Sanders is better than Ted Ginn. There's yep. no question, no question about it. Uh, their tackles are so good too. Their tackles are really good, which can make up for that interior offensive line question mark. So I'm okay with that. I think Alvin Kamara had a bit of a down season, and that's unlikely to be repeated if uh, Drew Brees can stay healthy. But then they got Jameis Winston, who's actually a better backup than their good backup that they just lost. So they kind of set themselves up in a pretty good position with a pretty win-now roster to be able to even weather a quarterback injury. So this is a really interesting situation. Their defense always takes a little while to ramp up, and that's fine. But I don't see a reason why they're not going to be competing just as well as they've been for one of those uh, for the division title and for a high seed in the playoffs. Yeah, there's this defense is this defense is is awesome. They bring in a weapon like Zach Bond to develop. Uh, he can play uh, stand up linebacker and defensive end. They'll probably move him around a little bit. They they go ahead and they get Caesar Ruiz to kind of solidify their offensive line. It's a smart team. They only had four draft picks, but I think they used them really well. You know, and then I think Troutman's a good uh, you know 
tight end two for Cook. A good they, developmental guy too, yeah. Right. So so they 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 have a plan. They come in, they execute it. It's just a really smart football team. They it have been it has been the whole time. Sean Payton's been the the coach, you know. And so also guys just really want to play here. People guys seem to take slightly less money to come play for the Saints. I mean, New Orleans is pretty great, so I don't blame them for that. I th- there's no reason this team with their current roster ta- level of roster talent shouldn't be competing for the number one seed. So, uh, Eric, what do you think? Uh, I really can't say much more than you guys have. I think adding Jameis Winston, if anything, will give them just a slight edge that they might want to utilize against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Let's face it, that is a thing in the NFL. Uh, Drew Brees is probably going to regress a little more this year just because this guy cannot stay at the top of his game forever. And last year he showed just a little, a tad bit loss of arm strength. Drew Brees is human after all. Uh, because of that, I will give you my record. I have them uh, losing a bit of ground this year and ending 12 and four competing uh, for the top seed in the NFC. Yeah, I, I also have them at 12 and four, but that is good enough for the number one seed for me. Can I have I... an 11 and five finishing uh, just outside the number one seed. I have them at number three, I think. Okay. Uh, the next team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Last year they went seven and nine. They added Joe Hay, Kevin Minter, Rob Gronkowski, and a guy you might have heard of, Tom Brady. Uh, they lost Jameis Winston, Brashad Perryman, Carl Nassib, and Sam Acho. They drafted Tristan Wirfs, Anton Winfield Jr., and Keyshawn Vaughn. Seahawks connection. Um, the Nottingham Kong Sioux played on the Seahawks, right? Or is that just a rumor every offseason? Okay, wait, wait. Seahawks <laughs> Seahawks have uh, Bradley McDougal. Mm-hmm. Wait, that nope, that doesn't work anymore. Okay, I got it. You ready? Bruce Arians hates the Seahawks. No, that's not good either. The C- Cyril Grayson is on the Buccaneers. How about that? Oh, that's a, that's a good that's one. A, wow. That's a real Seahawks connection. Okay. I, I just wanted to make all those Seahawks jokes first. cut Antoine Winfield, and now his kid plays for Bucks. <laughs> uh, no, I, I had one ready. That was a bit. All right. Um, is Michael it, so Bennett retired last, last week. So it's Eric first <laughs> yeah. this time? It, it is. is Eric first this time. Okay, go ahead. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if you guys heard this, but Tom Brady now a Tampa Bay buck. Uh, they still have no running back. There's <laughs> this is a funny team. How, because... how dare you with, the Oh, Ronald I knew Jones it. Slander. I knew, I know hey, you're uh... has the vid. How dare you? Ronald Jones, the second. And then Kishon Vaughn has COVID, but he'll be good. Don't yeah, worry. Ronald Jones takes a slight, a slight growth, a light, a light step forward every year. And this year is going to be the year he breaks out. Absolutely not. He is a fine, change of pace back and he's he probably the number 4. one 4.2 yards per carry yes last year. yes how dare you love him. i know you love him slander i know you love him how dare uh uh Keyshawn rick vaughn may usurp him uh, i like this team because they added patriots they added a little <laughs> offensive line growth and with a little offensive Wait. line help and tom brady and bitter old bruce arians coming in thinking he's going to win now that is enough to push this team towards a better record but certainly not to the top and that is my outlook on the bucks so the thing for me is, is that this offensive line last year was the clear weakness of the team they were everything else was good their offensive line sucked you bring in tristan Wirfs, and you bring in a guy like tom brady who you need to protect and so you hope joe Hagen, and tristan Wirfs can get their stuff together and make it so that this guy's going to Bruce Arians does know how to protect an immobile quarterback. We saw it with Carson Palmer. So, so that shouldn't be a problem. Uh, he knows how to give a guy time to make a long throw. I like this team quite a bit. I think they're really good. I do think it will take time for it all to come together for them, which is why I have them kind of starting slow and not ending up winning the division over the saints. That doesn't mean they're not going to be good. 
This is a good, this defense is underrated last year. Pretty solid defense has some burgeoning stars on it. Uh, I uh, like really like under the radar stars too, which I think is, um, is pretty cool. So um, yeah, this is a good team. Uh, it's, re- it's a really good team. I like the Saints are the, <laughs> I like the Saints a lot, but I also like the Buccaneers <laughs> quite a bit. Um, they're going to run out of two tight end sets and do some interesting things. They can um, run out of like, you know, three wide receiver with Tyler Johnson. I think that he'll be a nice little uh, piece for, this is the best weapons Tom Brady's had in a long time. And I think that people underrate that fact that he has been throwing to like slow white dudes for, <laughs> for quite some time. Dude, you I just, just cannot separate. And and now he gets to throw to Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and OJ Howard. And he's got Gronkowski back. And just imagine Gronkowski was the number one option for him for like six years. Now he's like the number three option. And it's just, it's a whole different ball game, man. It's a whole different ball game for them in, in Tampa Bay. I really like this team, but with the, within the shortened off season and stuff, I think it will take a little time for them to get everything to gel perfectly. So Kevin, what do you think about the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers? So the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are a really interesting team. The thing that started to gel last season I'm interested in is their secondary. Jamel Dean and Carlton Davis took nice steps forward as the season went on. Sean Murphy Bunting showed that he was pretty solid. So they have a core of three corners that I think are decent uh mm-hmm. safety is a bit of a question mark mike edwards wasn't great last year they drafted antoine winfield jr justin evans we don't know what we're getting there yeah he's, not, so, he's, he's i think justin evans is gonna start the season on the pup but he's he's solid if he can you you, you, you gotta think he's gotta be solid but he's been on the ir for so long right right it's, it's like he's been ir two seasons in a row so you gotta you gotta hope that he's healthy and ready to go their linebackers uh, are lights out devin white's oh, really God. good levante oh, david's crazy uh shaq barrett's not gonna get the same sack totally he did last season but he doesn't really need to and him and jpp provide some solid pass rush in the uh three four front that they yeah. run that's trying to 20 that's like those two guys are like 25 sacks right in the right thing. which is fine that's what you want yeah, who cares what the split is if it's 12 and 13 like that's you're still getting where you need to as a team right. so i think like they're an interesting defense they have a lot of offensive weapons but i have one other thing to talk about and mm-hmm. that is the tampa bay buccaneers also are the ones that had an uncontrollable MRSA outbreak a couple seasons back <laughs> so if there is one team that is going to get taken down by oh, the vid heaven. it is the team in florida that couldn't control <laughs> MRSA. Oh, Kevin, so, Kevin, you don't think Bruce Arians has gotten, uh, he changed the MRSA culture? Uh, I am telling you that this may be the year that time overtakes Tom in the form of the vid. You so think my Tom Brady's going to die from coronavirus? Tom Brady's, Tom Brady's going to lose his career to COVID. Uh, don't you think uh, they have Kevin. a better marm, uh, a MRSA above Raheem Morris, Kevin? <laughs> you came in so loud right there, but that was worth it. I'm sorry, sorry. <laughs> He's coming with that my mic, extra hot take. My mic <laughs> fell forward on that. Sorry. And also, uh, Kevin, how dare you talk bad about <laughs> Blaine Gabbert around? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so what do you got? Uh, what the do you other got thing is, Kevin? I think I think Tom Brady's uh, deep ball is questionable until proven otherwise. But I'm not willing to like rule it out right now. So yeah. as of right now, I have them at nine and seven. But my statement on this is, either the Bucks or the Falcons will get nine wins and sneak into the playoffs. One of those two teams will get it, and I'm not committing. And right now, I'm committing to Tampa Bay being the one of those two teams. The more, more likely, you think Tampa Bay is more likely to be the the kind of the five seed that kind of sneaks in from the Correct. south. Uh, I I would agree with that. I've been at ten and six though, but I, I think Tampa Bay is pretty good. Uh, they're just it's just a really solid roster across the board. I I don't see how and one thing is Tom Brady is he got like concussion water and uh, he can he can beat COVID with the nano bubbles or whatever. So I, I got. <laughs> 
<laughs> I think he'll be all right. Uh, Eric, what do you got him at? Uh, it's funny researching the Buccaneers uh, this week. It was uh, I saw a lot of people down on this team. Some people had him at seven and nine. For Kevin to have a nine and seven, I think that's uh, I think it's a brave take, only because everyone wants to kind of crown this team. I do like their young defense mixed with you know Indomik and Sue, kind of going where I felt he belongs. Let's put him at ten and six. I have them starting the season three and four. Like I wasn't joking about like the slow. No, start thing. I love like, that. I, Cause like, I see I have the them, exact same thing. I have them starting the season, like three and four. They're off to a slow start. Everyone's burying the Buccaneers. And then they just roar, rip, rip, rip off five wins in a row home, at the giants home against the saints at the Panthers home for the Rams. And then the big Sunday night game against the chiefs where they just take everyone by surprise and win that game. Like I just think there's something to this team. This they're, they're going to need time though. They're going to need time to come together. And if they, if they can't get it together after like week six, it could just be a disaster. But Tom Brady's really good. And I'm I'm, I'm optimistic that, that this will work out. So, all right. Uh, anything else you guys want to talk about that South before we go to the money zone? We all agree that, that there's two playoff teams in this division, right? This is a really good division. Yeah, it's yeah. too good of a division not to have two. Yeah, I think that it could be the rare division that gets – Three, although there's another really good division we'll talk about next week that yeah. should be a bloodbath as well. Uh, that's that's the thing about the NFC this year is I think the two best divisions are in the NFC, so it's like it's, it's just brutal, you know, it's just brutal in the NFC this year to to try to make the playoffs. So if you want to support the Seahawks Nest podcast, there are many ways to do so. Head over to Patreon.com/slash/SeahawksNest and for as little as dollar twenty four a month, get in the Discord, chop it up, get in, be a part of the memes, be a part of the jokes. Uh, you know, slow poke some people, talk about your favorite apples. And, uh, you know, just have some fun. Uh, if you don't have any money, you can head over to iTunes. Give us a review on iTunes. Those five-star reviews really help people uh, find the podcast. So special thanks to Brett, James, Ke- oh, wait, sorry, I sorted it wrong. Brett doesn't get to go first. <laughs> Lucas, Tony, <laughs> Timothy, Ooh. Ryan, James, Brett, Carrie. Well, they got their names uh. twice, though, so that's even better. Tom, <laughs> Michael, Brandon, <laughs> Nick, Jay, Bob, Richard, Kieran, Mike, Blockness, Keith, and Michelle. Thank you for supporting the show. Uh, it really helps us uh, keep going and uh, get new equipment and stuff. It's awesome. So, okay, movie club. We all before the podcast, we often just talk about what we've been watching lately and stuff. And a movie came up that Eric had watched that I had recently watched that Kevin I know has watched uh, somewhat recently. Probably I've watched recently. no, not recently, but many times in my youth. Uh, so we're gonna talk about the Disney classic. It hit Disney Plus uh, at the beginning of the summer, and uh, it's the Disney classic, uh, Heavyweights. All right. Eric, I want you to start us off, man. Heavyweights. What, what yeah. did you, uh, what, like this movie, what did you, what did you watch, rewatching it for the first time in many years, probably? What was your, uh, what was your thoughts? I think it was about three years. So, uh, for those that don't know, I'm really into like movies during a time. So, you know, people always like, oh, I love Christmas movies. I do too. But I like summertime movies. These are movies that I either because I saw them when I was a kid or I, they stuck with me. There are some certain summertime movies that I must watch every summer. Some of these movies are uh, like the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie, uh, Patreon, uh, Kevin's uh, Men at Work. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of Weekend at Bernie's because I'm a fool. Uh, Heavyweights may make it into this rotation because it is such a summertime movie. It's a uh, it's a story of a of a young overweight lad who uh his his parents played by jeffrey tambor and oh geez i don't know who the other who the who his mom is played by uh, it's probably not important but they basically say hey we're sending you to fat camp 
Well, they, the funny thing is the guys come in, the guy comes with the video and it starts off and it just seems like it's a normal camp. Yeah, it's a great and camp. I'll, and he puts and it together I'll, because all the kids are, are fat and they're all having fun. But it's like inch by inch, you can see him be like, he's like putting it together because it... And the way they introduce you to the main character too, where he like, he's like running home and he's like running away from dogs and just doing weird stuff. And then they have him try to throw a baseball over a fence yeah. and he like can't do it. He just like can't get the baseball over the fence and like everyone's laughing at him. And then he, he gives the, um, he gives the lemonade stand like five bucks and just chugs. the yeah, whole chugs, thing Yes. That's when they go it's all in. It's such a nineties intro. It's amazing. But they go all in on like the, Hey, this is a campy family movie. Like just so you know. Yeah. But yeah. So he, he goes to this fat camp. And it's not a miserable experience for him uh, until it becomes a miserable experience for everyone, which, you know, we can go into that. But, yeah, this movie is it's it's family fun, but it's so funny. And it's I don't know if it's ahead of its time or it's timeless. It's still funny when you watch it. Yeah, and it's it, it's like it's like a really like Judd Apatow wrote it. And we all know by now Judd Apatow has written some pretty good movies, right? Yes, he's he's got some bangers to his to his credit, um, and you know he's he does he did a really good job here. Of I think like if he said like this was my family movie, like because there's something when the, the the thing that makes family movies really great is there's something there for kids, and there's something there for adults, right? And this movie does that really well. It there's something there for kids, like the the, the shenanigans, the, the the campy humor where he's chugging the lemonade and running away from dogs, and they're jumping off the blob, or the guy spears the blob. Yeah, the guy spears the blob. <laughs> uh, uh, when they're sneaking the snacks in, when the guy's covered in s'mores, he's a human the, s'more. There's yeah, there's, there's plenty of jokes. It's got all of it. There's plenty of like kid humor, but there's also a lot of adult humor. Like I think everything Ben Stiller's character's doing, <laughs> while kids get it, they don't really get it the way you do when you're an adult and you watch this character and you're just like oh my god this is so great it's like he's Tony really, Perkis. he's really doing something here you know what i mean he's like he's, he's doing, doing his doing own thing he's his character yeah it's like the kids are riffing off him he's riffing off the kids i know a lot of it had to be scripted but he just seems to fit so well into his own world and that works with everyone and you said it before the podcast, Eric, but like in Dodgeball, he's basically playing the same character. And he even said, Ben Stiller said, I did that on purpose because I thought no one saw heavyweights, but they must show it on TV or something because everyone noticed it right away. Wow. So, <laughs> I didn't so, know that. That's awesome trivia. So, um, yeah. Oh, so do you guys want a couple other really fun pieces of trivia? Of course. I have so, I have so much trivia for this. Oh, so bring it. Tom Bump McGowan, it who played Pat, the uh, original head counselor, who's a little bit of, a little bit of a rotund individual. Um, uh, he actually is a Broadway actor. Uh, he is a uh, Tony Award nominee and an Emmy nominee for uh, a role on uh, Frasier. I so, saw, I enjoyed him in Frasier, and I saw him when Wicked came to town three, four years ago. So I'm just saying they need to give him a, um, a Golden Globe for this so they have a chance at an EGOT. Um, like, let's let's ben, be honest. Ben Stiller's actual parents uh, play the... the um, the, pe- the original the camp counselors, yeah, the original, yes, the original yeah, the camp couple owners. that owns the camp, yeah, the Bushkins. Uh, Judd Apatow showed this movie to his eventual wife t- to impress her on their first date. <laughs> Good call. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Um, Sean Weiss, what didn't want to be in this movie, but he, uh, <laughs> but he found out that if he wasn't in the movie, he wouldn't be allowed to be in D three, The Mighty Ducks. Well, that's important then. So he was like, "I have to do it." Wasn't that Goldberg? Um, yeah. Yeah. 
That guy's had a rough life uh, yeah. uh, since then. Uh, I hope that he's doing uh, okay now. Yes. But he's Keenan Thompson life. was in yes. it. Yes. Very funny. Uh, Don't forget so, the big guy. There's there's one we're missing. Uh, Paul Feige is in this movie. There's yeah. a Peter Berg cameo too. Uh, oh, Paul yeah. Feige plays an awkwardly fit uh, uh, Scandinavian counselor. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about some of my uh, favorite scenes or favorite like little things. Okay. There's so many little details in this movie that are so funny. Uh, the first, the first, when they make the, um, the first day that the camp, the camp changes from, uh, the regular camp hope to, uh, like Kirkus power camp or whatever, they have the menu on the wall and the menu says, uh, kelp, kelp quiche, power pudding, apples, and field greens. <laughs> I think it's still so funny. The other thing is when they, what, some of my favorite parts of the movie is like when they're all on that hike and there's so many funny things that happen on this hike, but one is like all the kids are trying to swat the mosquitoes off themselves. And he's like, yeah, keep doing that. It's great exercise. Like swatting <laughs> mosquitoes off yourself. Yeah. Keep it moving. It's like so, so, so funny. My favorite scene in that is when they pause for the break and do the impossible setup scene. Oh, and yeah. uh, the best part of it to me is, and I've said it like four times to you guys, so I apologize for repeating it, but I think it's just, it's just so funny to me because they go, uh, Excuse me, Mr. Mr. Perkis, we've heard that you can't uh, do a sit-up with your eyes closed. And his response is something along the lines of, I love dispelling workout myths. Which, <laughs> who says that? What even is that as a statement? It's exceptional. Uh, also, wait. I like how Ben Stiller in makeup plays Ben Stiller's dad in this movie. Yeah, he does. <laughs> That's so funny. Doing the uh, doing basically the guy from uh, Starsky and do Hutch. It. Do it, uh, do it. And the and the commentary in the commentary for the movie, Judd Apatow said that Paul Thomas Anderson <laughs> told him he loved this movie. Dude, he wow, love this movie. It's great. <laughs> the uh, any any time Ben Stiller is on the intercom, it's one of oh my, my favorite. <laughs> like, what's he's like? Attention, campers! Lunch has been canceled due to lack of hustle. Yes, <laughs> like that's it's the so best good. line. Okay, <laughs> everything Lars does is so funny. Like when Lars is trying to awkwardly flirt with the the attractive nurse, or like when yeah. with that that scene with the buddy system. The buddy's a buddy, buddy. <laughs> so it's just like everything that guy did. I don't know. They I don't know if they ad libbed that or what, but it's just it's so funny. Oh. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just a, it's a really good family movie. You could watch it with your like ten year old kids, I think, and just have a blast. Uh, it's just good, and there's like I said, like something good there for. Uh, for adults, something new there for kids. Uh, the way that, that at the start of the movie, they're all hiding candy everywhere. And <laughs> <Yes. laughs> uh, yeah, Tony finds it. That's, uh, that's the a one kid. Scene. The one kid pulls up his shirt and he's got melted chocolate all over it and they all jump on him and lick it. It's such a great, such a great campy, like corny uh, physical <laughs> comedy scene. Oh yeah. It's so perfectly stupid. It's like, it's fit. It fits right in there with like Beethoven and Brink and like that whole run of nineties, kind of campy fun movies except this was done by just slightly better quality of workers so like you have ben stiller who elevates that whole segment you have uh you know it's a judd apatow script which is just a little bit higher quality and so what you end up with is a movie that has more staying power mm-hmm. i agree so it's just a, it's like a it's like a, um, it's underrated, you know. It's a little underrated, kind of oh. like a, like a home team. <laughs> well, one last underrated. thing, uh, the director Stephen Brill, also the director of Movie Forty Three, so he has both of these movies under his. Wow, Stephen From... Brill, um, he made Mister Deeds. Also, he did a lot. Started at the top, sp- and now you're there. He uh, <laughs> he worked with he worked a lot with Sandler after this, 
yeah. and, um, two, mi- two mixed results, which is uh, about what you could say about Sandler. Hey, it's not mixed yeah. results if you're getting paid. That's, that's also that's, something you can say that's about also Sandler. Sandler. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, anything else before we go? I think we're good. All right. For Kevin, for Eric, we will see you guys next week. Go Hawks.